0: Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey
1: everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW Future Stars Wrestling here in Las Vegas. Mr. Joe DeFalco, Joe, you look rested, you look happy, you look like uh, you Just spent time away in paradise, and uh, welcome back?
0: Yep. You know, you you, you get four or five days away, no phone. It was great. Come back, and it's like the issue's still with the pool. The air conditioning people were supposed to come by today, but the warranty people called in uh, an obsolete air conditioning unit, and now i got to wait another week. And it's like, and now the downstairs one seems to be not cooling very well. So it's like the continuous disaster. It's been like over a month, maybe a month and a half for the AC unit upstairs that's not working. And it's like unbelievable. What the fuck?
1: I think we're going to have to start.
0: So from being relaxed, I got to be aggravated within a day.
1: We're going to have to start a uh, GoFundMe for uh, your uh, air conditioning needs. And anyone around the country who uh, doesn't know. Right now, it's about, what, about 111, 112 on average each day? Yeah, so.
0: something like that.
1: So, Joe is uh, is back into the sweltering heat. But other than coming back to aggravation, uh, did you get some time uh, on the beach? What was it like, uh, you know, hanging out in paradise for a few days?
0: Uh, it was actually pretty good. I actually uh, surprised myself. I went on a couple of the water park rides that were complimentary with the extremely expensive hotel bill, you know? So I had to take advantage of that. I actually went on a couple of them and I survived them. So, you know, I'm not much of the, the water person, but I went in the ocean and it's kind of easy to go in the ocean when you could see the sharks coming because the, the water's clear, right? If the water's not clear. I ain't going in cause I ain't getting bit by jaws. You know what I'm saying?
1: Hey, and you know, that fear actually is, been proven now uh to be something that isn't you know myth because it seems like on the east coast there uh they're having a major problem with sharks and uh you know that's your old stopping grounds uh, up in the you know new york new jersey area so y- you actually probably were smart to uh, develop that fear of uh the sharks
0: yeah, you know, I I'm definitely not fond of that.
1: And uh what happened with uh the luggage? Did it finally get to you?
0: Yeah, so I had uh packed in the I had my my shorts and the shirt I wore on the plane. So, you know, that was probably a 5-hour flight, wait over, and then another like hour. So, I was wearing it for like 6 hours. Uh my wife screaming somebody robbed our luggage and it was like you know the day before we went to Macy's and she bought swimsuits and she was uh getting uh, extremely angry so i sat you know i had to wait because they were really slow at the baggage area to to, to ask questions so i had to fill something out and they're like oh it seems like your luggage never left Miami and it's like how hard is it i don't i don't get it my plane Came in to, you know, I had an hour and a half to two hour layover. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. I could see if we rush to get there whatever. And then talking to people like on the blackjack table, it happened to them. So it seems kind of normal, I guess. So now all I have in my carry bag is, I got like six pairs of socks, which is great. <laughs> but I have no underwear. I have one other pair of shorts and no shirt and the shirt at this resort the cheapest one for a crappy shirt was like 140 dollars. okay i'm like well i can grab a swimsuit if i want to go in the water and you know i got a calvin klein one at macy's it was probably 40 50 bucks whatever they had one some brand I never heard of, and it was two hundred and ninety-one dollars for a swimsuit. So uh, I'll just tell you right there: the buy drinks were seven ninety-five. Wow! In that resort area. Wow! Now you can take a cab and go downtown, and everything is way, way better price. But you don't know that, you know? It's like, holy shit, what the fuck? You know? So now it's like I go by the pool and. You know, it's, it's, it's 89 degrees, but the humidity is like 90%. Right. So I'm sweating with my shirt on, you know what I mean? And it's like, I have to go to dinner with it. And it's like, Hey, I got one shirt for five days. This is going to be awesome. So, you know, I'm checking the website and, you know, I had no phone, which was cool, you know, uh, but I was able to through the Fi get on Facebook messenger and use the internet. And after dinner and after we were done with everything coming up for the night, I checked the thing and it says case closed. And it says pending delivery. (coughs) So I'm like, oh, okay. It looks like we probably have our luggage coming, you know, hopefully by the morning. And, you know, the wife's in the bathroom taking a shower, I guess, or whatever. And I'm like, come here. Because as I walk by, all of a sudden I see my luggage is sitting up against the wall i was like you all just walked past (laughs) i walked right past it why would i think it was in my room it was like up against the other two (laughs) luggage things i wasn't even paying attention and they delivered it i guess sometime in the evening when i wasn't there the bell guy opens your room and just put your bag there no note. no nothing no 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 message just all of a sudden, there's your bag.
1: Just creepily gets in your room,
0: puts something
1: yeah. in there, and then leaves. Yeah,
0: slides in, you know. And then he probably took all the stuff out of the other bag, you know. <laughs> and then oh, resold man. it for four times the price. Oh, Calvin Klein's swim trunks. We can sell those for 2
1: dollars Yeah, you walk, down, <laughs> you walk down to the store in the morning. <laughs>
0: there you go, never worn.
1: <laughs> oh, man, well... Welcome back to Vegas. Welcome back to uh, the week before the uh, next show, which is on Friday, July 22nd. All the championships are on the line. It's the new beginnings for FSW's high-octane show. And um, so far, we know that last time we talked, we announced uh, Jay Vidal is defending No Limits title against Matt Vandegrift. And the Tag Team Championship... For TBD, Shogun and Hero will defend their title against Death Proof and uh, Cutthroat Cody and uh, Jacob Austin Young. Uh, any new announcements uh, going this week into the week before?
0: Yeah, we mentioned it last week. We were just confirming, but uh, because of uh, personal things, Cal Jack was unable to make the anniversary show, but he's ready. He's back, ready to roll. And we're going to do the match from the anniversary. It's Cal Jack versus Brett the Threat. Uh, Submissions only match, you know. So there's another marquee matchup that's going to be there. You know, Hammerstone will be on hand. Gregory Sharp. uh, Nick Xander uh, has some words. uh, Requested some mic time. Uh, MK is returning. And he might have some uh, people with him. Uh, we'll find out about that, you know, Damian Drake and, you know, we're still working on, uh, some of the other, you know, parts of the card Lights, camera faction, obviously will be on hand Braxton. will make sure, you know, he's got his case with them. So, right. You know, we'll see what's going on with that, you know, because in reality, we're trying to set up and prepare for uh survival of the fittest, which will be August 21st at the silver nugget. Uh, now called the uh, Jefe Bet Event Center. So I guess the Fifth Street Gaming, they own the Silver Nugget and the Lucky Club or something like that. I guess they also own a predominantly uh, Spanish sports betting site called Jefe Bet. So they figured they might as well brand the arena the Jefe Bet Event Center. So.
1: So the Suavecitos, then I assume, are going to think you own the event center, correct?
0: Well, yeah, they're pretty sure. I saw Ricky yesterday. He's like, hey, hey, Jefe, uh, you know, we got a match on Friday. I'm like, dude, I just got back. I have no idea yet. We'll see. You know, now that they're the uh, the, the, the young cup, young young talent champions in Mexico, maybe they can stay there for six months.
1: It, you know the uh, the trophy from that event uh seeing pictures was just uh just something that they should be proud of uh
0: yeah I, i'm going to assume they're going to try to bring it to the ring every time they can
1: my, my you know they only got trophy's
0: one. trophies bigger than danny
1: exactly they only got one trophy between them and it's it's bigger than one of them so um when you look at uh You know, speaking of them uh, being in Mexico and having a a good work there, uh, Lights Camera Faction just went down to Reality Wrestling and wrestled against Culture Inc. uh, for Booker T's promotion, uh, which also got a lot of attention because Booker T stepped into the ring for the first time in a few years, uh, wrestling in one of the matches on that card. Uh, And Jay Vidal, uh, right here in... uh, the good old Pro Wrestling Inc. magazine got a write-up, uh, a feature one-page article on uh, him being an up-and-comer. How proud are you and how excited are you to see these guys who are the younger guys, uh, you know, a couple years in the business, getting this kind of exposure, uh, you know, outside of FSW and hopefully bringing some more eyes to, uh, You know, through either the FSW network or through Fight TV, uh, if uh, they're not in Vegas to to follow these guys.
0: Oh, it's terrible. Now all these guys want to get paid big dollars. uh, You know, they want creative control, you know, all that stuff. You know, it's like, oh, you know, we made them stars and now they want to, you know, hey, look, boss, this is what we're doing. Yeah, we you know, we can't work for this anymore.
1: Yeah, you know, you have to, you have to have Hammerstone needs to sit him down, have a talk with everyone, and basically, you know, leverage his his career and what he's to, you know had from you over the years into making them take less so he can get more. See, that's exactly. really-
0: you know, I need to bring Graves back so he can you know cleanse the locker room, you know. <laughs> He'd rather cleanse the locker room than wrestle a match. You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, you know, uh, he—it's been a while. You bring Gallo
0: there for good luck, too. Yeah, he's uh, back, so he's ready to roll.
1: Wow, wow, Gallo is uh, making that. Uh,
0: Gallo's what? Uh, Got to be sixty something now. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was like me with the long, long mullet hair back in the day when I first met him uh, when we were doing Vegas Extreme. And he was tag teaming with Navajo Warrior. And that's when we brought in Mike Knox and Derek Nykirk from there. Uh, we were supposed to bring in uh, Hollywood Yates. He was the guy that I believe was the circus clown or something for the rodeos. Yeah. And he ended up having to cancel because he had a rodeo that day. And yeah, Gallo, uh, you know, started with us even before FSW when we first used him in 2009. That what he was pretty much a rookie back in the day. You know, he was lean as lean can be. Not anymore, man. I remember seeing him at the uh, Cauliflower Alley Club, and it was kind of after we had a falling out when we did the show at the CAC, and it was like, holy fuck. Because, he looked really fat to me, you know what I mean, because he had the shirt on, but he is like, like he is, he is just like a brick wall. Yeah,
1: yeah, and not only him, but you know Navajo's doing these strongman competitions now, and he's, oh, is that re- right? Yeah, he's in better shape than he was, you know, twenty years ago.
0: Oh yeah, um, he was always he was always a, a kind of heavyset dude
1: yeah and now he's it's it's just unbelievable he's he's massively strong um you know it, speaking of of guys like that who have been around uh for a while that have been in and out of fsw is there anyone that uh, we haven't seen in a while that you might uh have you know maybe thought about kind of bringing back around for uh fans to get another look at?
0: Well, we were trying to uh, get Bateman more regularly. And uh, unfortunately, we knew there was no shot August 21st because New Japan. That's the only bad thing about running Sundays. And if we we usually run that third or fourth week and New Japan, which also, you know, takes out Tito Escondido and Tito's a guy that we wanted to jump back on board because he seems to be getting hot. and We've loved him for a long time. And then all of a sudden, he gets booked in Japan. So he's really, you know, taken off. And he was the guy that when he was undervalued, you know, we used to use him and Shay all the time. And then we kind of brought Tito back, and then he got hurt. And then it was, you know, kind of tough to get him back into the mix. But, you know, we had him set up, and he was part of the MK Army, and it looked like he was going to be the guy in line uh, for some title matches against Hammerstone. You know, he had beaten Graves in a tag match. You know, he, he had done some good things on, on his return. And then I found out, you know, I hit him up. Hey, congrats, man, about Japan. When, when are you going? And he was coming back the 19th. And I'm like, hey, you know, what about the 21st? And then he was like, oh, New Japan in the USA. So, you know, that takes out Tito. It took out Bateman. If we wanted to use, for example, uh, Tom Lawler, can't use him. Right uh, TJ's back in the states from Japan, so he was looking for a spot uh, at survival of the fittest. but because of the way it's matchups and things like that, I told him, you know, I haven't even really looked other than what in my head we knew where we were going, but it you know obviously if there's a spot available, uh, TJ Perkins is a guy you want to actually you know be on the show. you know, right. he had a great match with Hammerstone. And Cage, when he had to step in because uh, Davey couldn't be there, the anniversary show weekend, you know, last year that was best match on the show, uh, him and Matt Vandegrift. So anytime you get TJP in the ring, you know you're going to have you know uh, an awesome match. You know, I know Gregory Sharp was not happy, you know, a couple years ago. He really wants that match with TJ. Well, now that he's the Nevada State Champion. You know, there's there's a possibility, you know. Davy Richards, TJP, and maybe Gregory Sharp could be, you know, a survival of the fittest matchup. Yeah. You know, but I got to check with uh, Davey Richards because Chris Bay is looking to come back. And we talked about some stuff. And then it turned out uh, Sammy Callahan's revolvers running August 21st, too. Uh. So, Chris Bay already took that booking. And... When I hit up Davey, he was good for it, but I know he's been doing some stuff with the Wolves at, right. with Revolver. So I have to actually, now that I'm back, double check. And, you know, because I talked to him about doing the show on the Sunday. And, you know, we could either do the seminar the Sunday, which might actually be a better option uh, because it's a 5 o'clock show. We could do the seminar at 1 o'clock. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: yeah and uh and again uh if you are a young wrestler or even a an experienced wrestler and you're in the area if uh, we start talking about that as something that is uh going to happen yeah man take advantage of that because uh, you know again you you don't get those opportunities to you know get it get a chance to learn from some of these incredible guys um and that's that's something to take advantage of uh don't don't sleep on uh you know hammerstone right now uh is kind of in that mlw picture with uh richard holiday finally uh you know kind of turning on him and and things going a little south in their relationship Uh, Any considerations uh, for that potentially spilling over into FSW?
0: Well, definitely a possibility. But the thing was, uh, Holiday and Anthony Green made it easy for us because they uprooted and they decided to spend about two months in California. So it was a lot easier not having to worry about flights. You know, these guys are out of the Florida area. So it becomes really expensive. So we were able to utilize those guys on even some smaller shows, like on Thursday and Sunday, uh, which we had holiday. And we had uh, Anthony Green, who made the rounds and was able to do the Friday night shows and and things like that. So, you know, they seem to really enjoy their time in California. I saw uh, Dom and them guys in Arizona they they were on the shows there. So, you know, they know they got a home. And they were also understanding on pay rates and things like that, on what they would normally work. They were coming out there to have fun, but they wanted to wrestle new places, new people. And, you know, Hammerstone's one of those guys who really spreads, you know, spreads the gospel of, of FSW. You know, so it's like When we bring in uh, Jacob Fatu and Holiday, oh, man, we really wanted to work here. You know, Hammerstone has great things to say about every, you know, me and, and and the crew and the matches, you know. And it's the same thing with Chris Bay and Impact. When you go in there, you know, without knowing who these guys are personally, when you introduce yourself, they know exactly who you are. Because, you know, it was the same thing with Ring of Honor. We had Kenny King flying the flag. He's one of our trainers, so, right. you know, we've had people in all the spots. And then you go to AEW and, you know, early on, you know, a Cage and a Matt Hardy, and then they sign a Toa, you know, and it's like a lot of our people get, you know, I think it was like 12, 12 or so people at least got matches when they were in town. So, right. you know, it, it only helps, you know, build a legacy or. The fantasy or whatever you want to call it but you know it it really helps our stature as a company
1: right and uh you know the uh, ring of honor uh crew is getting ready to do their pay-per-view on the uh the 23rd um so you know 22nd you can see fsw uh doing the high octane new beginnings on the fsw network for 6.99 a month and then uh, you can watch the ROH pay per view and see Toa and uh, I'm assuming pro- probably Brian Cage and uh, you know it's it's uh, spreading across the uh, you know the the companies now uh, to, to be even more of an impact. Um, is there anyone out there that you have been looking at? over the past, you know, half a year, year or so uh, that you haven't had a chance to um, either talk to or maybe have started a little talking to uh, that, uh, you know, fans might have not seen in FSW yet.
0: Well, you know, we're always talking with Danny Limelight and, you know, whether as a single, we talk to Slice Boogie who's never actually appeared. I don't believe he's ever appeared. He may have once, but I don't think he's appeared in in FSW. And you know, he's a guy, you know, to really inha- help enhance the tag division. And yeah. we've had Tito, but we haven't had Jake Cabrera in a long time and you know, I love Jake Cabrera. So it's like, you know, trying to trying to add top quality guys which knocks you know, unfortunately, some of the younger guys, you know, down a peg. But, you know, I, I have a company to run, and my job is to put out the best shows that we can, we can do. You know, when you talk to a Bateman, and he gives you a price that you feel is more than fair, you know, you say, okay, how do we incorporate getting Bateman in here? You know, Bateman is a guy who can immediately challenge a guy like Hammerstone, And it is believable that Hammerstone can lose to a Bateman, to a Tito Escondido, you know, things like that. And and that's what we're looking for. You know, uh, Jordan Cruz is a guy we haven't had in a while, trying to get him back into the mix a little more. But we also have so many guys that we're trying to, I wouldn't say thin out the roster because we're also trying to add some people. So we're trying to streamline it a little more, you know, to have guys with buzzes. You know, Tito's a guy now with, with a huge buzz. And when we had him, he didn't have a huge buzz. And he was great. Yeah. And, you know, the huge buzz also comes with the, the bump in rate. But, you know, there's guys you're willing to do it because Tito's a guy from day one. Love the dude. You know, we, we get along super you know, he always goops about the pay and things like that. And and I get it. It's a business. Now he's hot, man. And it's like, as much as he likes being out here, you know, this is what he needs. And it's like, okay, well, either I can make it work or I can't. And in some cases, there there were guys that we've used that kind of priced themselves out that there was as much value as using somebody else that was equally as good, but, you know, he was going to save us a few dollars. You know what I mean? And it's right. like, you know, I talked with Eli Everfly. He was banged up for a long time. He's just starting to take bookings, and he's looking, you know, now to, to get out more in August. Well, you know, with Matt Van de Griff and Jay Vidal in that no-limits division kind of headlining it, you know, Eli Everfly is the guy who can slide right in and, and be – you know, a dominant factor, you know, mixed in with, you know, the other guys that, you know, uh, Damian Drake, for example, you know, where's he at Gregory Sharp? Is he looking to get back at the no limits? It, you know, him and, you know, Jay Vidal and, and Matt Vandergriff. you know, went up and down the road for a long time. So yeah. they know each other really well. So, you know, we're working on the main thing we're looking to add on to is, is the women's division. You know we've had some starts and stops, and uh, Kayla Rossi, who was working AEW dark and came out with Janela. She was training, but she she kind of disappeared again. So we were looking to add her into the mix, and we were hoping to use her that AEW weekend. And she said she should be there, and never showed up, and haven't heard from her since. So yeah. you know you can't count on everybody. We got a uh, a new. Uh, A new lady who uh, actually wrestled the women's show on Saturday. Yes. uh, Rachel or Rochelle. And she just moved here from Colorado. So met with her yesterday. And she is already going to be on our show July 22nd. So, you know, I I don't want to say her Facebook name because that might not be her wrestling name. And I think I saw it wasn't like. Rochelle Riveter or something like that. I'm not I'm not positive what her wrestling name is, but she's gonna be added to the mix. You know, we have Viva Van scheduled uh, yeah. for that show also. And I believe Alice Blair. So we you know, and, and I gotta hit up Milo. So, you know, we might be able to put together two women's matches, you know, for the 22nd. You know, what? obviously, you know, we got Nick Xander with his stuff, MK. The faction. So the three matches we got set, and then Hammerstone and and Sharp, we're at five already. A couple of women's matches. There there isn't much left, but we'll see what's going on. You know, if Nick Xander's there, I'm pretty sure Clutch won't be far behind and, you know, see what he has to say because despite losing the match, I'm pretty sure Clutch walked out of that event uh, extremely proud of himself.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure uh, Xander probably has some choice words and maybe even some choice words for the fans, the way that they uh, gave him uh, the uh, clutch, the encouragement to, uh, to try to uh, damage Nick a little bit more. So that's going to be very
0: interesting to hear what Xander has to say. Well, you know, he's young, so it's going to yep. be interesting how he reacts To the fact, and again, it wasn't overwhelming, but, you know, the people who like Nick Xander, they're not going to cheer, they're not going to boo, they might boo a little bit, but then there's the people who just like punishment, and, you know, if you watch that, you, you know, and you remember that match back, you probably don't even remember Nick Xander actually won the match.
1: Yeah, yeah, And and it was a solid match, too, so. Uh, very interested to see what he has to say. You know, you, you mentioned Eli Everfly, and you mentioned the women's division. Uh, something that I don't think I've ever. No, happened.
0: Eli Everfly is not going to be in the women's division. Okay.
1: <laughs> Although I bet you he could pull off a pretty damn good match with any of the women. So, you know.
0: Well, he wrestles with one all the time. So. Well, that's
1: what I was going to say. You know. I know you were. Delilah, man, uh, you know, I uh, spoke to her uh, at that women's show uh, back in May. And, uh, man, she's just waiting for the call, you know. Is, is that what enough. you're waiting
0: for? I remember I hit her up a couple times, and, you know, she wasn't available for us.
1: Ah, uh, uh, I'm thinking, you know, she got the husband.
0: They can take a trip
1: out here. Oh, I know. I, I got tag
0: teams that want to wrestle Doomfly. Yeah, I mean, what about that? Doomfly versus TBD for the tag titles.
1: <laughs> Actually, you know what? Uh, Doomfly probably could uh, pull off some pretty impressive stuff too. That would be a very interesting match. And then, of course, you know, uh, if you if you give him that match, then uh, Deathproof is not too far behind wanting Doomfly.
0: Definitely. Oh, Suavacitos, uh Ricky, that was the team. He, he was like, hey, what about Doomfly? It's like, yeah, you're like fifth on the list for them, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, Maybe it, you... I said, go go, go! call the company you worked in Mexico. Maybe they'll get you the match.
1: <laughs> are, are, are we sure that actually happened, too? Because I,
0: there's no footage. Uh, well, If there's no footage, then I don't know. You know, I was they, out of town, so you know I only go by the pictures that I saw. You know and everybody congratulating them.
1: Yeah, pretty easy to to uh, to get a a trophy, and uh, you know be in a well, in a room.
0: It, it is for most people, but not those poor fucks.
1: <laughs> well, hey, man. Hefe, they got other ways of getting those trophies, man.
0: I, I try to I try to encourage them to do some maybe illegal activities to get me my dues, but they haven't bitten on that one yet. Uh,
1: when you look at, uh, you know, some of the, the names you mentioned uh, with guys like uh, Damian Drake, um, where do you think he's kind of fitting in? Because like you said, uh he's already kinda gone up and down with with Jay Videl and, and Matt Vandegrift for a while there. Um Gregory Sharp and uh, you know, Damon Drake, we really haven't seen uh since Sharp has you know gone gone uh, off the deep end and, and been more aggressive and violent. I I
0: can't even tell you if they've ever had a match despite both being in FSW for an extremely long time. And after winning the no limits title, the tag title, you know, Nevada state title. I'm, you know, I've talked to Damian Drake a little and he's definitely uh, interested in that opportunity. And as one of our stronger baby faces, that's, A match that, in in all honesty, I feel is something that will happen sooner than later, you know. Uh, Just because of the positioning, the timing, Uh, Damian Drake has a huge fan following. Uh, Gregory Sharp uh, doesn't seem to be very fond of the guys who are beloved by the fans, as we've learned with Jay Vidal and we learned with Remy Marcel. You know, a a guy like Damian Drake is another guy who is in that situation because he's been around so long. He he continues to be loved while, you know, Greg has that chip on his shoulder. But the chip on his shoulder is what has gotten him the Nevada State Championship. So, you know, it's worked for him, and. And he, he needed maybe not to be such a giving person, and said, you know, what it would you know, quote Raven, what about me, you know?
1: And was that Raven or was that Braven?
0: No, that that would be Raven for sure.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. and and speaking of Damian Drake and uh, you know being a babyface lately in uh, some of the social media posts, we're seeing that I think. Did he raid your uh, closet from the 80s? What's going on with uh, his uh, Marty Jannetty throwback look?
0: I I don't know. I'm like, dude, can you kind of be like uh, seven characters instead of 17? It's like, dude, it's like he's got a new persona. I'm like, what's up with that fucking hat? That looks stupid. But, you know, maybe he's got a trip to Gilligan's Island coming up. I don't know.
1: Well maybe there, he wants
0: to look sharp for Ginger and Marianne. <laughs> there,
1: you, there you have it, Damien. Uh man, uh, you know, he the, the skipper just told you to lose the hat. So
0: you know, it look you know, go watch a Neo video. You'll see the same hat.
1: <laughs> uh, when you start thinking about um the opportunities that the tag team division has with a team like TBD, um, and also uh, the, I guess the, you know the look, the presence, the growing uh, maturity of the in ring style for both Hero and Shogun. Um, is it is it something that hits you where? You'd like to get certain matches in and give them opportunities against certain teams, as we're seeing with Death Proof. Uh, potentially before they, you know, get a chance to move on to, you know, other companies uh, in terms of maybe getting signed to a bigger company, especially with AEW, you know, doing all the the signing that they have been doing and the growing of ROH potentially um, both those guys, uh, you know, could potentially fit in very well into, uh, either a, an Impact or an NXT or, uh, an AEW slash ROH. Uh,
0: I'll tell you what, uh, seeing TBD take on Quan and Toa would be, uh, pretty impressive. Right. It, that's,
1: you know, that's something that hit me, uh, watching them on, on Rampage the other night was that that would be an amazing, uh, Amazing, you know, matchup. Yeah, and I gotta,
0: I gotta catch that. I, I, I saw that. I guess Gresham turned on Moriarty, but that was after the match, right?
1: Uh, no, not, not, no. It was, it was one of the, uh, the wonderful uh, walk away from the apron while your, uh, your partner gets the crap knocked out of him moves. Uh, and then the big handshake with Tully. So uh they Gosh. they basically finished off Moriarty uh as soon as uh, Gresham leaped off the uh the corner. And uh it was, it, it, was, it was a great finish, you know, it was a great nasty uh finisher they have. Uh and a good man, you know, you gotta give credit for Toa being in the business, you know, for a shorter period of time, uh, two to three years window, uh, and being able to gel so well with someone who, you know, he had, hadn't had a huge relationship with, um, does, you know, does, does that, is that something that being that those guys are, you know, in A W is a company that allows guys to work outside. Is that something that you could look at matchup wise down the road and go, hey, we have a Mecca coming up. Would this be a match that would uh, suit a TBD? Uh,
0: again, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it happens at FSW. You know, budgets are bigger on the Meccas. You know, now they're getting some love on there. So now that rate bump, which, again, is always important. With Toa, now he's in AEW. He, he, he's gotten a big a rate bump. You know, and the funny thing is, I thought it was through Toa, but it wasn't. I just happened to get a Twitter message, you know, a couple months back from Quan. And uh, he's out of Houston, Texas. And, you know, I explained the situation to him. And, and, you know, we kept the door open, you know, for something. But that would definitely be a match, you, you know, that should happen. And if it does happen, you know... I I think uh, Shogun and Hero should forfeit their pay because now they're going to have some good footage that they can send out against a team that seems like they're going to be pushing pretty hard, you know? And, you know, the fact of the matter is they they aren't putting Tully Blanchard with them to job them out, you know what I mean? So they're going to try to present them. But the thing is both guys are relatively green, so they're going to try to protect them as much as possible but the more work they can get, the better they, they will get, you know, it's the same thing. You know, I'm pretty sure if I put Shogun with somebody else, he would be very unhappy being in a tag. You know, he was with Kenny. uh, It was through circumstances. He needed a partner. He was doing the stuff with Hammerstone and Graves, which was a continuation in the past, but Shogun was, is, was, is a guy that would be a top contender for the heavyweight championship. But right. being that he is so tight with Hero, you know, doing the tag thing is fun for him. You know what I mean? Plus it gets him some work. It gets him experience. Maybe gets to work some different people. But I know deep down that Shogun wants to be the FSW heavyweight champion. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, coming out of this. You know, and how successful the tag team is, because, again, you don't want to you don't you never want to cut something too short when it has a lot of legs, you know, but you would rather cut something a little short than too long. Right. And there's been circumstances where you let things play out and it was like, man, we should have pulled the trigger two shows ago, you know and it and it's been even been in situations of moving the belt and i remember the time with the commandos and the scum and we had this huge my great idea we're going to do this two out of three falls match and i remember seeing it on tv that the first fall was by dq so when they won the pinfall on the third fall everybody goes crazy yay and it was like oh but the first fall was a dq the titles don't change hands and then the next show at the Silverton, we did a uh, a ladder match and the scum won the titles back. And it was so much flatter than when they thought they won the tag titles the, the show before. So, always, always have to be careful. Sometimes I wish I had the earpiece in my head and it'd be like, ah, change, change of plans. <laughs> Because there's so many times you see things and it's like, oh, man, this would be the perfect finish. And then it goes for another 30 seconds. And now the the, the huge move gets kicked out of, but the guy wins on a roll-up.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, is is there a particular, uh, like another particular instance that you, you know, can think of off the top of your head where you do wish you were able to have you know, uh, made a call and, and changed, uh, something, uh, on the fly.
0: Uh, there was definitely one time when, uh, Matt Vandergriff wrestled Ice Williams and it was like, oh, this would be the perfect time right now. And the crowd would have went crazy. And the time before that, which actually made us really change the title when we did, uh, Cutthroat Cody was the No Limits champion, and Jace Battle and uh, Young Boy at the time they were they were a very overgroup, and we had a match at the Silverton, and man the crowd was itching for Jace Battle to win, and it was like man I wish I could ha- change the finish right now, and we ended up putting the title on him after that. But it was like right then and there was like the hot spot, like the crowd was just eagerly hoping that it was going to happen then. And, and you and of course you like to give them that that moment in the sun when you can, you know what I mean? Right. And you know, there's there's so many times like I can't I can't think of off the top of my head, but the, those were two of the most, you know, when when we did that, you know, it was kind of like oh. Man, we should have pulled the trigger right then and there. That would have been great. But you don't know beforehand. You know what I right. mean? So
1: going off of that question, because of the fact that you don't know, is there is there anyone that you would trust uh, that you wouldn't necessarily get pissed off that during a match, uh, say, you know, they're the champion, uh, again, you have full trust in them and they understand what's going on um, and they can feel that moment and they allow, let's say, for someone to pin them and, and get the win and change titles. Would that be something that you would ever consider allowing someone to have that um, that confidence in to make that call during a match?
0: Uh, I honestly don't think so. You know, I don't care who it is. It's like, that's not the other wrestler's decision that this guy's ready. It's what I want. You you know what I mean? You know, we've had instances where Jay Vidal didn't know Chris Bay wasn't going to kick out. And that came about because Chris Bay didn't know... That Remy or Jack, I don't know whoever took the pin when they, when him and Nino Black won the tag titles, they didn't know they were winning. Yeah. You know, the referee counted. And, and you got that emotion because for Jay Vidal, it, it it was his first title win in FSW. May have been his first title win, period. I don't know. Uh, but for Chris Bay, he trained with us. That was the first championship he ever won. So yeah. you could see the emotion, even Jay Vidal. even the referee who knew we were changing that, we knew the finish, and he knew the finish. Kind of hesitated on the three. If you if you watch when Chris Bay is laying there and he counts one, two, three, and it was like you could see, like uh, you know, he's maybe he was wondering if Chris Bay was ribbing him. You know what I mean? But right. You know, in that situation, you know, we also had a title change when we were supposed to have a time limit draw and the time uh, the the ring bell guy didn't ring the bell. And that's how the commandos won the title the first time against the Bondoom's. And, you know, it ended up being okay, and and we and it worked out and they had a good series of matches. But it was like, wow, this team just went through a tournament. The Bondoom's they win the ladder match and then the next month they lost the titles. It was like, fuck. But, you know, in a way it was good because they beat the commandos in the first round. So now all of a sudden you got a rivalry going. It's, it's hard to get a rivalry when, I, when I'm 2-0 on you guys. Right. You know? It's like I, I don't get the Seth Rollins-Cody Rhodes rivalry. Okay, I beat you. Then I beat you. And then I had a torn fucking labrum or whatever he was. And I beat you again. But I'm going to lay you out, which is going to make me get another match against you when you come back. And it's like, wow, like Seth Rollins couldn't have won that third match. At least we have the built in excuse that Cody Rhodes is fucked up and he's wrestling this match, even though he shouldn't. And he's going to be out for six, eight, nine months. You know, it's Cody Rhodes. It isn't, you know, happy Corbin, you know, Cody Rhodes is hot. And when he comes back, he's going to be hot. You know what I mean? It's not some mid-card guy that they're trying to give a push to that's now, you know, obsolete because he's been gone for nine months. Sure. You know, it's not Mad Cat Moss who has to win the match. <laughs>
1: um, when you look at uh, the uh, show on the 22nd, you know, you, you seem to have a lot of uh, everything laid out. Um how do you go about then once we get past the 22nd and you start looking at survival of the fittest because it is a specialized uh, show and you're already kind of trying to put pieces in place. um, Does that sometimes disrupt storylines when you have that kind of momentum maybe going with something and then you have to kind of, wait because of the fact that you have a specialized show going on and then kind of pick it up after that show. Does that ever come into play for you?
0: Well, the thing is, on July 22nd, we got a show. August 6th, we got a show, and then we got Survival of the Fittest. In reality, the storylines that we have going now will continue through that are leading into Survival of the Fittest. You know what I mean? I'm not having a Hammerstone Bateman feud and then switching to somebody else to bring back Hammerstone and Bateman. You know what I mean? If we were going to do something with Hammerstone and Bateman, we would start July 22nd, but we can't. So he's not available the 22nd or August 21st. So it's like, well, okay, let's figure out when we can get him in. You know, there's a couple of ideas I had for survivor matches and things like that, that, I've already changed my mind on, you know, initially it's going to be like, Hey, we're going to do this survivor series match. It's going to be this team and that team. And these are the two captains. And it's like, I've already changed the idea of how that match is going about and what it's going to be. So, you know, and again, I haven't spent a lot of time putting, you know, pen to pad to, to, to figure everything out. But in my mind, you know, I know where I'm going with these guys I know where I'm going with that guy okay we got this going on here uh we got to figure this out over there and you know is anybody coming back do we do do, you know are people who've been out you know is there new blood is there new ideas hey you know you you find out something about a particular talent and it changes the uh the game plan because there's certain issues at play You, you, you know what I mean So, you know, you got to play the card you're dealt and try to make that option better than the one you thought you were going with in the first place.
1: What was the, um, would you say was the (laughs) biggest, uh, what was the biggest time that you had to deal with a wild card like that? Uh, Was it when the heavyweight championship had to, you know switch uh quickly because uh i think ricker was going to uh wwe uh that first time or was there a you know one thing that sticks out in your mind as like one of those you didn't see it coming and you had to like switch it asap
0: <coughs> well in the early days at the silver nugget when we first started uh Kenny King was our first champ and we had positioned Kenny King as the top baby face. Uh, We had a, a, a faction uh, called the elite extremists and Mike modest was part of it. uh, Gallo was part of it. And Derek Night was part of it. So it was three bad dudes, you know, and they were the top three heels in the company. And, uh, Nykirk got to the finals of the tournament in the first show uh, against Kenny King. Uh, funny bone made his presence felt cost Nykirk the title. So Kenny King becomes the first champ. Uh, we did some stuff. I think Kenny ended up wrestling, uh, I was going to say disco, but he didn't. Because Kenny King, because Disco wrestled uh, Snuka Jr. So I'm not sure how that progressed. But we had a match, and it was Nykirk versus Kenny King. And despite my better judgment, Derek Nykirk, the heel challenger, had a great idea for a DQ finish, and it was the Eddie Guerrero spot. And I'm like, okay. Bro, how does this make any sense? So, you're going to win by DQ because it's going to look like Kenny hit you with a chair. Well, you don't win the title. So, I'm not really sure how that really makes any sense. You know, maybe Nykirk, who's managed at the time by Dino Danelli, you know, slides in the belt and Kenny cracks Nykirk with it. Okay, but when you're deliberately going to get yourself a win by disqualification, I'm not sure the benefits of it. But, okay, Nykirk, developmental, you know, he had his little run. Okay, this is what we're going to do. All right. So now the next show is set, and the plan is for Derek Nykirk to be Kenny King. You know, nice to have a heel champion. and. Yep. I remember it was either the night before or the day before that. Uh, Nykirk hits me up because those guys were working as security for like Toby Keith. And they were kind of like main security guys. And they said they had to go to Detroit or something for some grand opening. Whatever it was, they didn't make the show. You know, I've heard different stories as time has passed that they they, they chose not to come. Whatever. And it was like, okay, well, the time is right to do it. So we had to pull the trigger. You know, I was working at Cheetah's with uh, Modest at the time. And I went to work that night because we worked the morning shift graveyard. We went in at five in the morning. I didn't talk to Mike because I'm pretty sure it happened the night before. Because I remember being at the uh, Chipotle by Thomas and Mac. Believe it or not. Why I was there, no fucking clue. (laughs) <laughs> and I remember he called, and I'm like, what the fuck? And it was like, shit. So I went home, went to sleep, got up. You know, we had to go five to one. And then we basically had her go to the Silver Nugget, you know, for the show. Because we did Sunday shows that probably started at five or six o'clock. So I would go right from there to there. But Modest worked the same shift because we got, you know, I, got, I helped get him a job there. And I'm like, bro, this is what we got to do. And Modest was, you know, a thousand percent against being the champion. You know, he felt, you know, the future stars wrestling, this, that, the other thing. You know, he's a guy who, you know, was all over Japan. You know, yeah. he wrestled WCW and, you know, he was, you know, upper 30s. Yeah. You know, looking at the young bloods, you know, Nykirk had experience, but he was still, you know, not known at all, you know, plus beyond the mat, things like that. Right. So we ended up having to – we ended up making the move. You know, Mike did what we needed him to do. And then a few months later, in that crazy ladder match that I told you, Mike was in that in the tag match. It's where he broke his arm when the commandos threw him and uh, either overthrew him or undershot him, and and they landed on the concrete, broke his arm. And then we had to switch the belt again. Because, but we knew that in advance. And that was when Franco D'Angelo uh, got the belt. Right. And then he got fucked up. But Alcatraz already had won the title off him. So that time, and then the other one that you mentioned was the, what was the other one again? You know, Malt.
1: When, when uh, Ricker. Uh,
0: yeah. So, yeah. And that was, you know, the plan for a couple months. Everybody loved the Ricker promo. But then they would boo him because, of course, he would wrestle, you know, the baby face. Right. So now we have him interrupt Sally and the Dynasty and Tyshawn Prince is the monster. Oh, man, they kind of wanted to like Ricker to begin with. Now they have their chance to root for him. So everything was set in place. And again, didn't talk to him beforehand. He waited till he saw me in person three hours before the show and he's like, uh, hey, Joe, I got to talk to you. I'm like, uh, hey, what's up? Hey, I'm uh, going to the Fed. I got signed. Uh, I'm leaving next month. And it's like, fuck. What the fuck? And then I'm like, all right, let me see. What are we going to do? And I'm like, we got a show in two weeks. Are you available? And he goes, yeah, I can do that. I'm like, okay, we're going to have you win the title here. And in the match, uh, Remy got involved. I think a few people did. I remember, I think Tyshawn threw Remy from the stage onto the, uh, you know, the security crew. So Remy ended up winning the title at the school two weeks later. And the referee kind of fucked up the count. So Remy's big moment kind of was when it was shown. And to this day, you know, Remy's bitter. He only had a two-week run as champion. Because then he wrestled Tyshawn at the next show at Samstown, And yeah. Tyshawn got the title back. So, yeah, those were the two times that I didn't know the day of the show that these things were going to happen.
1: You know, speaking of uh, Ricker, and you've seen the incarnations that uh, he's gone through in his career, Um what do you feel about the MMM uh, that they're doing with him now on uh, SmackDown?
0: Well, I'll be honest with you. I know I remember I was talking with uh, Eli Quick, and he wanted to manage and, and, and manage, but manage like a low card guy. And I was kind of like, you know, I'm a big fan of managers, but managers' job, it's like, so you come in, and you can't even be successful with the manager. That makes you a bigger jobber. You know, and I, and I always had that issue. Right. And I see Max Dupree, and it's like, well, they're taking two guys who barely win on, like, main event, and they're going to come right. to SmackDown. And that's cool. You're going to give them a gimmick change, but you're not going to put them over. So they're going to be fodder for everybody else. So how good does Ricker look when he manages two guys who can't win matches? Now, if they put those two guys together as a tag team and they let them get some wins, then I guess it becomes more valuable. And then maybe they repackage Dijak and they put him in the group And they make him a guy that is in that U.S. title mix, then it'll work. But if you're going to keep them as singles guys where they're at, there is no winning spots. Right. You know what I mean? It's like I try to explain to guys, not that anybody understands. But when you do a show, you know, there's only eight or nine wins on the entire show. Now, On an eight-match card, there's probably nine wins because you got at least one tag team match. Well, there's guys you want to push. And, you know, look at the FSW roster. You know, okay, you got Matt Vandegrift. You got Jay Badal. You got Hammerstone. You have Graves. That's why he hasn't been around in a while. What position? You know, Remy just lost the title. But he was a guy who was heavily pushed. TBD, Death Proof, Sky High, you know, y- y- you take the roster, Damian Drake, you know. So there's guys, there was Toko Uso, and if Juicy worked singles, or if you brought in Tito, you know, you have to build up Tito. You know, so that's why there was reasons, and then class. when he comes back, he'll be He was pushed in a good position because he earned it. And, you know, as a heel, he was easier to find placement for than say a Jordan Cruz, who is very talented, but couldn't really find a spot for him. And then you got a Ricky Tenacious. Oh, but then you got these young guys like Nick Xander and Brett, the threat. And then all of a sudden Cal Jack comes around and now clutch is back. And it's like, how many wins are there available? Ice Williams, the faction. You know what I mean? It's just like you know, it's hard. It's like you try to bring somebody back, and what momentum is there to bring somebody back who hasn't been around a while, and then they lose.
1: You know yeah. what I
0: mean? And especially if you're a heel, if you're a baby face and you lose, there could be reasons why, outside interference, a different guy. When a heel loses, man, in most cases, it's hard to make it a a fucked up finish. Right. You know, especially when it ain't a title match. You you know, you don't want to pull all those, you know, dirty finishes that backfire out of your back pocket for match two on an eight match card. Right. And, and 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 people don't understand it. You know, it's kind of like when we have six tag teams. It's like if you think it's easy to get all of you guys on, you're, you're out of your mind. Because, yeah, you're going to be in a four-way tag. You're going to be in an eight-man tag, you know, whatever it is. And then you're going to whine later about it being a throwaway match. Okay, well, let's make things easy. How about it just don't put you on the show? And if you've looked over the last few shows, even the ones uh, AEW Weekend, you know, we, we kept it as a, at a minimum of, at a maximum of eight matches. You yeah. know, one of the shows had a couple of those shows only had seven matches and it's like, you know what, there isn't a spot for everybody all the time. You know, it, it is what it is, you know, Brett, the threat sky high, Nick Xander. Uh, I don't think they got on a show till Sunday. You, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's like TBD, there were tag jams. They didn't get on a show at all. Because those things happen right? because there's only so many spots. And then when you're doing a show with Revolver, now you have half the spots because they have their guys. right? And then when you do the Thursday show or the Sunday show, you're trying to utilize new talent that made their way out on their own, however way, and now all of a sudden you're trying to get Jared Diaz and Percy Drews and Travis Titans and Titus Alexander's (laughs) And all these guys opportunities because they're really good and you normally aren't going to get the opportunity to use them unless you spend four or five hundred dollars on a flight on them that you never would. Right. You you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's always this back and forth. And because the local guys are local, they feel right, wrong and different. But I believe they're wrong. And they feel like, you know, they should get first priorities on stuff. And the reason they feel that way is because I've kind of gone out of my way to give younger guys an opportunity, and then Tito Escondido don't work on the show for three months. And Eli Everfly and Brandon Gatson and all these guys that we – and Jordan Cruz. Like, why shouldn't Jordan Cruz be on just about every show? He is an FSW regular, but you got to find a spot for him. You know what I mean? So, you know, plus guys that we use frequently for a while. You know, Toko Uso would have been a mainstay here. Right. You know, Toa Leone is a guy we looked at as a, a future heavyweight champion. You know, did we think he'd get signed? Yeah, you know, with his work ethic, his attitude. Yeah, we knew it would happen, but we didn't think it would happen for a while. Right. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, at least we figured we had him for at least another year, maybe more. You know what I mean? And then Juicy, you know, he got signed by MLW, no big deal. But, you know, he decided to take a break during the summer. But, you know, but Juicy hit me up. Hey, you got a big show. You need me. Let me know. And, you know, he wants to be here and he's got his crew of guys. So when he comes out here and he's driving all the way from there, why wouldn't I use Midas Creed? He's good. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, Midas is coming with me. And it's like, well, now you try to make that four way a five way or whatever because he's a talented guy who's now driving eight hours regardless of whether he's booked or not. Right. Then we got the Arizona crew. So now we know class is a mainstay. Okay. We know Hammerstone, we know Graves. Jacob Boston Young lives out there. You know, we consider him a Vegas guy now, even though he was from there, moved here, went back. But now you got the younger guys, the Devin Renos and the John Wolf gangs that, and, and Blair Brody we very high on. All so right. now we're trying to find spots for them. Well, when you're trying to push a young talent like a Blair Brody, you want to put him in a position to succeed. You, you, you know what I mean? Is, is he going to lose? Sure, he's going to lose here and there but you also do want to get them some wins, you right. know? And then there's the guys on the heel side, you know, that, that have earned their way in the matches that, like, they got into the ladder match, like Laz and, and Ricky Tenacious. And they put in a lot of time and effort. And you've you got to reward people for that, you know, regardless of what you're doing, you know? Right. Uh, initially, an Eli Everfly was supposed to be in the ladder match. Or wrestling Jay Vidal, you know? You know, I was pitching for the first ever FSW death match. Yo, Eli Everfly and Jay Vidal. Because (laughs) as crazy and sick as these two motherfuckers are, you don't think of Jay as that guy. But he he will do it. Like, he wants to do it. And Eli, we know, has no problem doing it. So if I felt two guys can tear the roof off in a death match, hey, you know what? Eli's got a good buzz. Jay Vidal's now a guy, the one to watch, you know, and yeah. pro wrestling illustrated, you know, does that mean anything? Who knows, but it definitely can't hurt.
1: Yeah. Um, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, any final thoughts, uh, for, uh, this week, uh, as we, uh, get ready to head into next week, which will be the uh, production week going into the show.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, Having that time off, taking the five weeks off in between shows was was a great idea. Thank you very much. Miss my Barry with invitation. <laughs> you know, but, you know, because it gave me a couple of weeks to settle down after running, you know. I was a part of, you know, we did the seven shows that... I was around for it, even whether they were mine or not. The Edge show and the Revolver show and the UCW show. Plus, we ran one, two, three of our own. And then because of setting up for the anniversary, instead of taking the week off and having three weeks, we had to kind of set it up. So then we had another show. So in, in eight or nine days, part of like nine shows. And then we had the anniversary show. And it was like, you know what? Break time. You know, I was concerned with the draw for the anniversary, which turned out to be very good. And it was like, you know what? We're going to come back, but we're going to come back strong. And we got every champion on hand. Uh, We're going to have some great matches. And the idea is, you know, last time I came home and it was like we had a show, you know, five days later. Well, it was harder to promote, you know, but Mikey got the flyers out and, you know, we kind of advertised some matches and the three matches we advertised are, you know, those are casino matches, you know, those three matches are, you know, the main matches on a casino show that you're getting for 30 bucks or $20 GA at the FSW arena. Plus, you know, place is a little warm as we well know. So taking, taking a month off from the arena, you know during the hottest month of the year is not not a bad idea yeah because we got July 22nd and August 6th and then after that we don't go back to the arena till September so yeah. even though it's warm it's not 115 it's only going to be 90 so the swamp yeah. cooler should work a little better there so we got a huge show uh, tickets are available at fswvegas.com and you know over the next couple days now. I'm going to look over the roster, see uh who I'm interested in bringing in and see if we can have a uh, you know, a big time show. You know, it's already started off with one and, you know, we have three matches signed and we still going to have a match for the heavyweight and Nevada State champions So, you know, r- regardless, you know, you have five marquee matches that we're already looking at.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely exciting, and uh, it definitely helps. I think uh, fans to uh, you know kind of forget about the heat a little bit, and uh, you know watch some of their favorite uh, guys uh, in the in the middle of the desert in the summer. So uh, there's nothing better. And again, uh, with this being a high octane, it will be available on the FSW network again, six ninety nine a month. And, uh, you get to check out the whole catalog of FSW and all the original programming as well. So I would definitely look into tuning in, uh, to the 22nd if you're not in the Vegas area. And if you're in Vegas, come on down. If you haven't been to a show in a while, especially, uh, now that school's out and, uh, you got the kids, take the kids on down and, uh, you know, watch, uh, some of the best wrestling on the West Coast and quite frankly in the country. So. That is where we're at for this week, and uh, we'll hear a little bit more about what's going on and uh, the, the uh, finalization of matches uh, next week, and uh, look forward to heading into the show on July 22nd. All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Until next week, we'll see you then.